I'm James Hahn II. And I'm Mark McCord. And you're listening to This Week in Oil and Gas. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Episode number 19. Happy 4th, Mr. LaCour. Yeah, happy 4th of July, too. And we've got another show coming up. This is awesome. Right before the holiday weekend. Yeah, this is... Uh, y- y'all thought y'all thought we was going to give you a break, but th- we don't take a break. Well, Mark does. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I try to take a break. You wouldn't let me. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um, I'm James Hahn II from TribeRocket.com. We are brand architects for next generation oil field leaders. What about you, Mark? Uh, Mark with uh, ModalPoint.com. We are the oil and gas sales experts. All right. Perfect. And and just like last week, this has been voted on by y'all. Whoever follows me on Twitter at James Hahn II, we're going straight through the list of the stories that got the most clicks. So follow me at James Hahn II. Follow Mark at Mark underscore LaCour, L-A-C-O-U-R, and, uh, and, and vote for the, for, for the stories you'd like to hear about. This one, surprisingly, 20 clicks for Repsol. What's going on with Repsol that's getting all this attention? So Repsol has a, a, a CEO who's a little bit out there. He's actually, we think he's making some smart decisions, but his invest his, in the, his investors in his company are actually not too sure he's doing the right thing. So um, uh, Repsol actually bought Talisman Energy, which is a, a Canadian-based company. It's old BP Canada. And Talisman was is an upstream company, whereas Repsol um, at that time was mostly a downstream company. So since they bought an upstream company, they now are a fully integrated company. Um, and it looks like they're actually going to hit their financial targets, which you would think, great, they're doing good. But their investment community expected them to do better. So um, the investors are a little bit skeptical. But I think they're doing really well. They're, they have a global presence. They're refining margins great. Um, they're operational. Their overhead for their um, upstream part of the house is just fine. They have some good assets. Um, you know, they're, they're involved in the, sh- in the shell plays here in the States. Um, you know, they have the Canadian market. So I, I think they're doing really well. So is that the main thing is just they fell short of a goal? No. So this is what's this is what's funny about having investors. They actually hit their goal, but their <laughs> investments, investors thought they should have done better. Um, you know, and that's what happens when you have other people that own pieces of your company. You know, that having to make sure that they see value in what you're doing is more important than in this case and actually hit your goals and doing good work. It says here downstream advantage. What are they doing downstream? Well, so the advantage they have downstream is most of their refineries are new. And just like anything that has a process involved, if you have newer equipment, you're more efficient. So their, their refineries are some of the, the some of the are actually some of the most efficient in Canada. Um, and they're probably in the upper, you know, twenty five percent quartile in the world. Well, all right, folks, give give Talisman a break already. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. BP's chief economist sees US shale weathering oil surplus. Yeah, this is just a, a it's a very nice, very well written article with um, one of BP's head economists talking about how resilient the U.S. shell production is. Basically, when we need to, we can cut costs. When we need to, we can up production. And that sounds sort of common sense, but rest of the world's production isn't like that, right? It takes 10 or 15 years to build out a field. Once you go into production, you go into production no matter what the price of oil is. Um, you know, our shell plays are very fluid. Um, if we need to, we can go pump 150 rigs out in North Dakota somewhere and get wells online in a very short amount of time. And at the same time, if, if crude prices are low, we can squeeze efficiencies out of the system and still be fine at $50, $55 a barrel. That's right, because this is America. Yep. We <laughs> and do it right. 
we do it right. What are, what are they talking about Iran? Because I've seen a lot of a lot of chatter about Iran this week. Yeah, we I could spend hours talking about the geopolitical part of oil and gas. So basically, Iran's production has been taken offline because of the sanctions. It looks like we're going to deal with them over the whole nuclear um, facilities, and, and part of that deal is we're going to allow them to start selling uh, their us in Europe will start start allowing them to sell their crude on the global market, which we haven't been letting them do. Well, once we do that, we're going to have more crude on the market. So um, some people out there think that it's going to cause another dip. We don't think it's going to cause another dip because the surplus has been eaten up, um, and BP doesn't think it's going to cause another dip either. Well, I know some some boys out in the Bakken who are who are definitely hoping that that we're right on that one, or that you are, because I'm just following your lead. <laughs> I got to I got to uh, take take the onus onus off myself on that okay. one. Oh, we got another North Dakota story here. Is North Dakota's economy really oil rigged? Yeah, um, this is a bit of a, a somewhat biased article. It starts off telling the truth, and it, when the truth is that North Dakota has a strong revenue stream from the oil and gas industry. Since these crude prices are, are, are lower, um, it's um, you know some of these rigs have been shut down. And, and the flip side, which they don't talk about in this, is some of the operators out there have said, my business strategy in this low crude market is to increase production, right? I need the cash flow. Even if it's that $50 barrel, I can double production. I'm now making decent money. And this is a guy um, that actually does uh, on-site securities is the focus of this article, talking about how he's getting a lot of business from North Dakota because people think they're going to have to shut down their fields and they're worried about their equipment being stolen, which has happened. Um, but I, I, I don't think the problem, like I said, we've talked about in the show before, I think we've already hit rock bottom. I think North Dakota is fine. Yes, there's some bad operators out there that should never have gotten in the oil business. And yes, they're, they're probably going to be assumed or going to have issues or go under. But as a whole, I think the oil economy is healthy in North Dakota and is only going to continue to grow. I think I'm going to have to talk to you about some of those people that are saying those things offline for some of my clients. But <laughs> NDP involvement in Alberta oil and gas will be a delicate business. Yeah, it's. Um, I try to stay away from politics. So NDP is the new Democratic Party. Um, let me just say this much. This is an article about NDP in Canada. And the NDP party in Canada makes some of our Democratic people seem somewhat moderate. So, Whoa. Um, you know, this is the typical story where you have, um, um, you know, political sides being drawn on things like refinery expansions, um, you know, exportation of crude, that sort of stuff. Um, and, and Alberta, unfortunately, has a pretty strong NDP presence. So, um, you know, this is a, a typical story of po politics mixing with, mixing with business and the outcome is never good. Never, never good. So, so just a bunch of socialists trying to shut things down in, in the oil sands. I'm not going to say that strongly, um, but it's just, I will. Just not good. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> will. yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's more or less. It's 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 people worried about you know bandit lizards instead of the you know the prosperity of of the the state. Okay, makes sense. Um, God and oil at Harvard. We got politics. Let's throw in religion. So I so you know I usually stay away from this. I love this, right? Um, this is this is Jane Hackett, who used to be the CEO of, of Anadarko. Now, becoming the CEO of Anadarko would be the tops of most people's career, right? Very few people uh, give given that opportunity. He actually did a good job. And then you know what he did when he was at the top of his game? Apparently, he went to divinity school. <laughs> Yeah, he stepped out and went to divinity school because it was his calling. Um, and you know, James, you and I are both like this. It's, it's, you know, we are um, 
totally, we try to be totally real about everything in business and our relationships with other people. And here's a guy that felt his real calling and he stepped away from being the CEO of Anadarko to follow it. And I, and I think it's wonderful. And, and what this article is about is that um, James is talking about how his faith works well with capitalism, right? Uh, basically, he's talking about how if, if God grants you the graces to have like his former job as CEO, then you have a duty to God to give some of that back. And, you know, we talk about it all the time about giving back. So I, th I think this is a great article. Regard regardless of your religious beliefs, here's a guy doing the right thing for the right reasons. And you got to applaud that. Yeah, a, a different James uh, ending up. It's a, it's a switch because because I've actually been to seminary twice. Both both big fans of capitalism, though. <laughs> um, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, so this is this is our first commercial break. We got to pay the we got to pay pay the man, the man being me. <laughs> so uh, so here we go. Many of y'all listening to this show are small business owners in the oil field, just like Mark and I. Whether you're upstream pushing uh, through the downtimes, midstream fighting for market share, downstream trying to move inventory or small service company looking to boost sales, we all need revenue. Like any skill, growing a business isn't easy. It takes patience, persistence, tenacity, and guidance. That's why starting September, in September, TriRocket is launching uh, Oilfield Revenue University. Discover how to drive website traffic leads and sales on a scale that was once only available to industry giants. These are the same strategies I used to build Drilling Info's online platform and the same tactics Mr. LaCour, uh, our, our co-host, <laughs> shout out, <laughs> used to land the biggest deal in his company's history, 10x his average deal size. Learn how to maximize and convert trade show leads, create print ads that get results, rapidly grow your email list, and take out billion-dollar competitors by ranking first on Google for search phrases across your oil field niche. For more information, visit tribrocket.com forward slash TWRevenue. Oil Field Revenue University, a proven step-by-step -step guide to exponential revenue growth for small oil field businesses. Again, go to tribrocket.com forward slash TW Revenue to learn more. It's tribrocket.com forward slash TW Revenue. How'd I do, Mark? You did excellent, but you left out one small part. What? You just didn't help me gain one deal. My business has exploded. My phone rings off the hook because of the work you did with us. So people, jump on there and call James. <laughs> I appreciate that. I very much do. Um, yeah. So, and there's a tie-in a, uh, a little bit here because um, this client was was in the clothing business, specifically in the flame-resistant clothing business, and a lot of people out there liked that story uh, about this particular topic this week. Oil and gas workers create boom in market for flame-resistant clothing. Yeah, this is a, this is a great article, right? So it saw, shows cause and effect in the trickle down through the economy. So the oil and gas industry worries about its people going home at night. I mean, they really worry. I know that for a fact based upon research we did for a client. So here's a here's a perfect example of how when the oil industry boomed. It creates needs, and one of the needs it creates is for flame resistant or FR clothing. So then, of course, companies come in and start producing these FR clothing. And the neat thing about this article, if you read it all the way through, this is about a local shop. Um, that's uh, called fracking hot FR. <laughs> but the, the the very end article they talk about they also sell lingerie. Where else on the planet? Where else on the planet but America? America business that sells FR clothing to oil field workers and lingerie. Love it. <laughs> love, is, it love it. Love it. Love it. This is hilarious. This is hilarious. Uh, yeah. And so 
Carhartt out of Michigan, shout out. <laughs> um, yeah, so in Greeley, in Greeley, Colorado. Um, so yeah, some things happening always up in Greeley and uh, in, in the rest of the, the Colorado oil patch. But we've got some natural gas prices buoyed by another strong storage report. Yeah, it's um, natural gas has crept, creeped up a little bit. Um, which is a good thing. It's still ridiculously dirt cheap in the States compared <laughs> right. to the rest of the world. Um, Do you know it, what uh, it's currently at in Japan? I remember looking back when it was – this must have been 2010, 11. It was something like 24 times the price as it is here. I don't know what it's, what's happening over there these days. Yeah, so um, this article uh, benchmarks the price in um, British thermal units, BTUs. And if, for the, those out there that are curious, the BTUs, the amount of energy required to raise the one gram of water, one degree centigrade. So um, I actually don't use BTUs. I do uh, trillion cubic foot TCF, TCF. So it's hard to make that adjustment. But basically, based upon this, doing the math in my head live on this broadcast, <laughs> I think it's going for about $4, 4 or $5 per billion cubic foot here in the U.S. and about $25 per billion cubic foot in Asia Pacific. Wow. Based on this and based on me doing the math in my head. Um, so, so you know, those those numbers could be off a little bit. Uh, just <laughs> but, a little bit. Yeah, but this is um, this is this is good news. We have you know we've talked about this before on the show. There's just tons and tons and tons of natural gas. And, and let me back a little, little bit. The reason they measure the price here in BTUs is because when the and they're measuring as it comes out the well when it hits the Henry Hub. The Henry Hub's a marketing point for natural gas in Louisiana. Just a, a place where you can key mark benchmark the the index. And so as the gas comes out of the ground, it has a mix of propane, methane, butane. So sometimes it's more powerful, has more energy than others. So to accurately measure it, you really should measure it in BTUs. Once they have it cleaned up and refined, then they can measure it in cubic feet, trillion cubic feet. Got it. Yeah. So three out of, what is it? I can't even tell the joke right. Four out of every three people struggle with math, just like me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so how about shale driller safety net vanishing? Yeah, so this is this is talking about all the hedging that was going on for all the production, and this is to be expected. Makes common sense. So basically, um, and hedging is nothing new in oil and gas. Basically, you buy an insurance policy that says, okay, no matter what, I expect to make this much money for a barrel of crude oil, right? And the insurance company figures out the odds of you being right, and they charge you a premium for that. Mm -hmm. So what's happening now is that um, a lot of these, a lot of the operators who 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 hedged, who self hedged, not self hedged, but bought hedging from outside. They've been being paid by the insurance company, right? So they're they're it's going for fifty whatever it is today, fifty four dollars a barrel. But they if they hedged at ninety one, that means that the insurance company is paying them the difference. Well, those policies, if you think about policy, are running out. They're usually only a one year term, and let me tell you, nobody's gonna hedge again at ninety dollars a barrel. <laughs> so um, what's happening is is some of the good companies have used this hedging uh, to help them get prepared for having the um, the reality of sixty dollar barrel oil. So other companies have done the exact opposite and just took the money and just sat on it, you know, in the hopes that oil goes back up, which is not very smart. Um, you know, we've said this a million times, oil's to get back to 70 or $75 a barrel by the middle of 2016, uh, but we don't see it getting higher than that unless there's some major turmoil in the Middle East for, for a very long time. So once again, a good example of some companies running good fiscal models and being prepared and other companies that weren't. And, and, and there's a story about operational efficiency in here. Yeah, operational efficiency is everything, right? It's um, and we talked about this last year. There's a difference between operational efficiency and operation excellence, but operational efficiency is really strong right now. And a lot of the good operators have done some amazing, amazing, amazing um, transformations to their business. I mean, crazy, you know, 
you've seen them cut costs by 70 or 80 percent, but increase production over 100 percent. I mean, you know, just wow to those guys that actually went out there and were able to make that sort of magic happen. Yeah, it was it was the senior. I'm I don't want to get his title wrong. The senior was it the senior vice president at Noble? Aren't that? yeah, that's right. It was uh, no, he was a CEO, wasn't he? Oh yeah, we're 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 failing at life right now. Yeah, not Noble Drilling Folk, two different companies. Even though that, but Noble Energy, yeah. And uh, he, they've run some crazy efficiency on their operations. They've what they do? They cut their rig their rig count by forty percent, but they're within ninety five percent of um, production. Uh, I mean, just crazy stuff. Great stuff, right? It's why you got to love this industry. Um, it's global. It's huge. But at the same time, it's a bunch of hardworking people that when it needs to happen, they get out there, they roll their sleeves up, put the boots back on, and then make it happen. The key statistic, I completely agree. The key statistic I took away from his presentation, by the way, we're talking about a presentation that happened at at the Houston Energy Breakfast um, put on by uh, Kevin Carpenter and Associates a few weeks ago. And and the key statistic that stuck out to me that I want to – I have the note. But it was something like 10 million miles they've taken off the road yeah. in, in trucking. And he must have spent five, 10 minutes talking about trucking. Yeah, because they're building pipelines to replace trucks. And that's just safer and it's better. It's better for the midstream guys that build the pipelines. Now you need operators. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, it's a great thing. Awesome. Well, thus uh, concludes our stories, uh, our, our regular stories. We, I do have a couple of extras to throw in here. Um, we posted this week a video and transcript, Oil Addiction Fiction, Alex Epstein on Glenn Beck. If you didn't have a chance to see that, listen to it, read it, whatever. Well, I guess you couldn't read it because it was only on audio or on YouTube. But we had our, our friends um, over at Cabbage Tree Solutions transcribe the thing and you can go straight to our website and there's a print button right at the top and you can get that i also threw in this uh oil filled poem that came out came across on facebook it's uh i'm, I'm just going to go ahead and, and recite it if if i may <laughs> please do blood sweat and tears is all i can give living for living this life for oh gosh i gotta start over i went way too hard on it so blood sweat and tears is all i can give living this life for 10 long years i do what i do and i do what i am i do what i do i do what i do and i am what i am spending all of my time trying just trying to make a hand times are hard and life is tough all i can give is never enough so i'll do what i do and do what i can living this life as an oil field hand when I when I sh- uh, shared that on Facebook, I said, "This is what I love about the oil business. It's so real." Yeah, I, the people in this industry are the best in, you, in any other industry in the world. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, speaking of great people, we have the Weekly Onion. Twenty-four year old receives sage counsel from venerable twenty-seven year old. Um, I think I've met that twenty-seven year old. <laughs> Events, leaders in the industry launching. What's going on? Yeah, so this is um, this is a, a great lunch to be put on by Petroleum Club. They do this every month, and they grab literally some leader from from some um, you know mid-sized to large oil and gas company, and they have a frank discussion about the business. I, I love this leaders in, in industry luncheon series. Um, you get to hear real stuff from real people running real oil and gas businesses. And is the Petroleum Club is that out? Where is that at now? You've been with me there. It's in the oh uh, okay. So I was getting it mixed building. up with uh, the out here in the Galleria. Um, yeah. No, Total Building, downtown Houston. There you go. Yeah. All right. Valve World Americas. 
Yep, I'll be there. Um, Valve World is uh, very hands-on. It's a trade show. It's not a conference. Um, but um, the people that are there are some of the frontline people. So the guys that are actually building pipelines, the guys that are actually doing retrofits and refineries. And it's just a great way to actually hear from the street what's going on in the oil and gas industry. So midstream, downstream, folks. And upstream, too. Okay. All right. Everybody How- needs valves. Yeah, true, true. How many people oh. does this show usually pull? Um, it's about twenty or thirty thousand people. Oh um, wow! I think I think we have a link in our. In fact, I know we have a link in our newsletter for a free pass. So if you want to go, you can go on me. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take you up on that offer. And all of the links are in the show notes at triberocket.com uh, forward slash tw19. Triberocket.com forward slash tw19. If you want to get these events sent directly to you, go to triberocket.com forward slash events triberocket.com forward slash events and you will go straight to Mr. LaCour's uh, landing page where you can sign up and get them sent straight to you and let's wrap things up with uh, with with thanking y'all we, 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 we keep asking for reviews and we will not stop because iTunes is a search engine and and the more reviews we get the higher it goes and just some amazing things being said we appreciate all of y'all we love five star ratings you know but just whatever anybody who's willing to take the time out of their day to go in there and uh and and submit a uh a review for this show we we can't thank you enough if you can help us out where would they go mr lacour uh they would go to um <laughs> triberocket.com forward slash tw review that's triberocket.com forward slash tw review and let me throw my two cents in here folks James and I actually put a decent amount of work in this. It's not as easy as as it comes across when the final product's released. So, you know, we're doing this for you. We don't charge anything for this. So can you please take two minutes out of your day and go give us a review? It'll help us spread the word and have more people enjoy the content that we we put out. Yes, yes. More, More people spreading the truth about this awesome industry that is the oil business, which is headquartered in this beautiful city of Houston, Texas, America. Sorry, I got to get one last one in there. Happy 4th, everybody. Anything else for us, Mark? Nope. Do great work. Pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Go find some grease, guys. Come on, man. America! That's what I tell him, too.